and welcome to the third episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I'm Samantha Blackman, an associate professor at Purdue, where I teach, amongst other things, digital rhetorics, and I look at uh, video games and identity politics, identity theory, and identity creation. Um, I'm a longtime gamer of 30-plus years, and I've finally found a way to turn my... Um, chief source of entertainment and my one of my biggest passions uh, into my work. So, um, and I'm joined tonight by two of my co-hosts, Alex Lane and Sarah White. And Alex? I'm Alex Lane, and my worst attribute is introducing myself. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, though, that uh, Alex Lane is one of the most intelligent uh, persons that I know and I Aww. always enjoy reading your posts on our on our blog so I'll give you a brief introduction that way um, <laughs> I am Sarah White and I teach up at Purdue North Central and I teach uh, composition and creative writing and right now I am teaching a video game uh, course for the students up here and um, yeah that's what I've been doing with myself <laughs> that's it all right, so we're going to go on with our night's kind of, I guess, our, our schedule or our agenda for the night, uh, which is the normal thing, what you've been playing, what you've been reading, um, our news, and then we'll move into like our, our topic of the week, our buy of the week, and our two-minute soapbox in some order or another. Um, so we'll start with you, Sarah. What you been playing? Well, I've been playing through um, Alan Wake. Uh, still, I am slogging my way through and uh, enjoying pretty much the narrative uh, is what's driving me through so far. Um, I've also been reading the book Reset. Um, uh, I can't think of the author right offhand, but uh, it's a book that is designed to obviously reset our notions about video games and try to clear up misconceptions. And I am also reading Women and Gaming, and it is also a book uh, in several parts that is challenging popular views uh, of video games in our culture and how they fit into our culture. Uh, it's not restricted just to women in gaming, even though the title sort of suggests that. It tackles a lot of different um, communities. Uh, I think it even tackles socioeconomic status. You know, it, it tries to cover a lot of ground. Um, and so, really, that's where my interests have been this week. What about you, Alex? Well, when I was trying to think about what gaming I had done in the last two weeks, I almost had a breakdown because I thought I hadn't gamed once. But I realized <laughs> that was not true. I talked Samantha into playing a few hours of Cataclysm with me um, a couple days ago so we could record some video for uh, our video that we have up on the website right now about Skinner Box Logic. So I played a couple hours of Kata. I hadn't rolled a goblin yet, so I got to roll a goblin. <laughs> and I believe the goblin analysis will be saved for somebody's soapbox, so I won't go into that. But uh, Sam, are you going to talk about Kata or how I hoodwinked you? Oh, yeah. I definitely got hoodwinked into that one. Um, yeah, I got hoodwinked into... Um into into going back into WoW, um, and and uh, playing the playing the Cata content. Um, anybody who knows me and knows my history with WoW knows that you know I I was a I was a big uh, I was a big WoW player a couple years back and and uh, pulled myself out of the game uh, and then went back in last semester to play with uh, 
with the folks in my virtual worlds class um, and had kind of pulled myself away again. Um, and now I'm, pull, I'm pulled back in again. And I have to say that the, I find the goblins um, narrative pretty interesting. So I think I'll be playing for a little bit. And then I'm really interested in playing the war again, even though it is Alliance and not Horde. And I never play, I never play Alliance. I got to play it just for the sake of, of figuring out because I don't know how the hell they think a werewolf is a good guy. Um, I'm, I'm really confused about that too. I, I rolled a worker and I played it for a while and it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. It just really doesn't make any sense to be on the whole Alliance side. Oh yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play it just to see. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm probably going to be playing for a little bit just to see. And like I said, you know, since Alex pulled me back in, she's going to play with me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to use, uh, you, you save up some of the, some of my comments about, uh, about Cata for my two minute soapbox, <clears throat> at least for now. Um, what else have I been playing this week? Oh, I bought Ghost Trick. I finally found Ghost Trick for the DS, um, which is what another Japanese game, which is pretty interesting, where you play this dead guy um, who basically uh, you can send your soul into uh, inanimate, inanimate objects and, and, and do different things in the game. For some strange reason, um, it's kind of a puzzly based game, physics based. You know, put your put your soul here, connected to here, connected to here. Make this fall and do this, and um, you know, for example, one of the first. I don't want to to tell anybody too much of thing too much about the game. One of the first things you have to do is, is put your soul in a variety of different uh, inanimate objects in order to save someone from being killed who is standing behind your dead body. Um, so it's kind of a, like I said, a physics puzzle based game. Um, it, it's, I think it has the potential of being pretty interesting. I haven't gotten to play a lot yet. Um, I'm looking forward to playing some more. I was hoping to play at least an hour or so tonight before, uh, before we started our podcast, but you know, I couldn't get the monster to go down fast enough. And, uh, <laughs> so that, that got to, that kind of took my Diaz time away. Um, I think really that's been pretty much all I've been playing for the last, uh, last week or so. That ghost trick sounds really fun. You start yeah. the game dead, right? Yeah, you start the game dead. That's just wild. That That's sounds totally cool. Yeah. I forgot to talk about what I'm reading. I have a good one. What you reading? I am reading Sherry Turkle's Alone Together. Ooh. Uh, why we expect more from technology uh, and, and less from each other or something. Something similar to that. I don't have it in front of me. But um, she tackles a lot of issues. She talks about why especially children. She really talks a lot about the relationship between children and their parents with technology. Uh, but she talks about why, why uh, elders and kids would rather be, have a robot friend than a, you know, than a, than a real friend or why the attachment to robots like Furbies and stuff are so strong. And she, she sort of assesses through, you know, she's, she's been doing this research for 15 years, right? So she's using these case studies and these examples that literally just brought me to tears a couple of times. It was so mm. sad. And she, they, she, the kids talk about, well, my, you know, my parents don't look up from their phone. You know, oh. I get in the car with them. They're on their phone. We get home. They're on their computer. They're like, so a robot would be programmed to pay attention to you. And it's not like one case. I mean, it's case after case after case where the kids are talking like that. And it's just, it's unbelievable. So 
she talks a lot about intimacy, about solitude, about what it's doing to our psyches to always be tethered. She talks about a trip she took when she was younger uh, and she went to Europe and she didn't have a phone. She didn't have any way of contacting back home. And that kind of gave her like this unique experience and the sort of freedom that no, that people, that kids don't get anymore because they are always tethered to their phone. So it's very good. Hmm. Oh, wow. How old is she? How old is she? Sherry Charcoal? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. She's probably in her 30s or 40s. I was going to say, Turkle's, no, Turkle's got to be, I don't know how old she is, but she's got to be at least my age. Well, I didn't want to guess too high in case <laughs> she ever listened to this. She's well, an adult. How's that? Yeah. She's an adult. She, no, I, she was <laughs> at MIT. She's yeah. been a professor in science technology forever. Yeah. Um, right. I just Googled her. She was born in 1948. So there you go. Oh, she's okay. Well, I only wonder because she's a lot older than me then. Well, she (laughs) looks very young in her picture on the book. She looks radiant. So I'm sorry, Sherry Turkle, if I offended you. Like (laughs) she said, she was 30. (laughs) How was that offensive? Call me 30. I won't be offended. All right. You're 30. (laughs) (laughs) I just wonder because I was going to make it, you know, it's the same way with people when they resist the, the book or the Kindle. I mean, I have people, colleagues or fellow people of my age, oh, but the book, the smell and the touch and everything. But, I mean, part of that is because it's what we're familiar with. Right, I mean, and it's totally nostalgic. The whole book is sure. just drips with nostalgia. But yeah, yeah. at the same time, the question of whether we're going to start replacing humans in our lives with robots, how, or, you know, how can that not be nostalgic, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's, it's pretty gonna, interesting yeah. that Turkle takes this takes this 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 slant right because i I mean she's she's like the beginning of of the of the the movement towards life on the internet right Mm -hmm. i mean with with life on the screen i mean she she started the conversations about community building online so it was pretty much like wow um pretty surprising when she when she comes when she comes at us with something like this i don't know I'm, i'm shocked over and over when i read that when as i read through because I can't believe she's right. You know, she's writing some of it. It's, it's, it's kind of her Einstein moment. Yeah. I don't know. She kind of regrets. Do you, do you feel any regret in it? Uh, maybe like there's a few remorseful moments. Like when they talk, when she talks about like this kid, you know, like she gave Furbies to kids, you know, to write robot diaries for two weeks. And then she has to come take the Furbies back, you know? And sometimes the kids are so attached to them because there's no one else in their life to talk to or to like be with or that cares about them. And they say things like, you know, I don't know how she got that past IRB. Give, (laughs) give a kid a friend for two weeks and then come take it back. Well, right. And, and, or, uh, when they, when the kids come in to talk to the robots that they test at MIT, I think Kismet and I don't remember the name of the other one, but like this, this one girl, she like dressed up in her best outfit. She like combed her, you know, had her hair perfect. She was so excited. Um, and she, she got to go there through her therapist. Cause she found this, this little girl found this, uh, flyer and brought it to her therapist and was like, I want to do this, you know? And they brought her there and, oh my God, I won't, I won't divulge what happens, but it's totally heartbreaking. So this is fascinating. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I haven't read it, but it makes me want to. And I think it's the tack that she's taken at the angle is interesting because she could also be saying, look at how great it is that these devices or whatever have been able to fill a void. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's how she questions emotion. She says, 
she says, like, what is a relationship it is about? Is it about being able to care for another person? Because that's what it is. It's like our compulsion to care makes us want to take care of our farms on Farmville and makes us want to take care of these robots. Mm-hmm. Um, but where's the line when they can't care back? Like, it's not a recip- it can't possibly be a reciprocal relationship. Mm-hmm. So well, she, she kind of draws the line there, I think. I, I know that I thought it was funny one Christmas and I bought a Furby for my cousin. Mm-hmm. And we wrapped it up, and we put it underneath the Christmas tree. And we're sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden we hear this boring. The little package was talking. <laughs> the Furby was talking, and it was like, you know, it was the funniest thing because it was sitting there talking about being bored. You know, they are pretty interesting devices, I can tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I need that in my life. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Alex, I'm calling dibs on borrowing that book from you when you're done. Done. <laughs> I wrote all over it, too, so enjoy. Cool. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't been reading much of anything that pertains to games at all for the last week, I don't think, other than brief snippets here and there. I guess I've been reading a lot of articles on the Internet, and I guess that's kind of one of the things I will talk about when we get to the news section, which actually is next. Um, oh, convenient. Convenient. <laughs> that was a nice segue. Um, <laughs> yes, people, I do know it's segue. I was joking. <laughs> you should have just kept going. I know, just should have kept going. See if going. anybody calls you out. Like, lady, that's not segue. <laughs> you know you're not really a doctor are you no i just play one on tv that's right life is just a game because there's so many like english phds that are on tv they're like highly demanded in the entertainment world well they are they're just pretending to psychoanalyze people that's um, right we're like dr house but for books <laughs> Um, so news. I mean, I guess there's been lots of interesting news over the over the course of the last couple of days or week or whatever. Um, some of the things that that uh, that were out there for me, I thought that were pretty interesting and, and probably that uh, have come out within the last two weeks. Um, yeah, barely. Um, one of the things was the Pew Internet study. Did you guys see this when they talked about? Who owns uh, game consoles? I certainly did. I just finished reading that before the podcast. I thought I that was for my empirical homework, for Pat. You. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, you read it for our homework tonight. Yeah. Yeah, game consoles. Who owns? You know, who owns game consoles? How many people in the various generations own game consoles? Mm-hmm. So one of the interesting things was is that we are not as, um, at least me. And you, Sarah, I think. I don't remember how old everybody is. Um, um, as, as much of an anomaly as we may initially think, because mm-hmm. at least I am considered Generation X still. Me too, yeah. Um, and 63% of Generation X own game consoles. And 63% of millennials, like myself, own game consoles. Uh, yeah, 63% Whoa. of millennials own it. 42% of all adults own game consoles. Yeah. And the numbers stay are pretty high. Even like 38% of young boomers who are 47 to 56. Um, 19% of older boomers are 57 to 65. The numbers, of course, you know, drop off even more when we get the silent generation, which is 66 to 74. It's like 8%. Um, and then 
3% of the population who are 75 plus. And I wonder if they're counting um, like folks in, in, in nursing homes who, who are playing with weeds and such in that, mm-hmm. in that, in that bit as, you know, for, oh, sure. I think it would be pretty, pretty interesting to see breakdowns for, you know, not only who owns them, but how they use them. Yeah. Um, and which consoles too, and which like consoles. Xbox versus PlayStation. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, my parents have a PlayStation and a Wii and they're, my mom and dad are like 67 and 65 or something. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So they're part you know, at least one of your parents is a part of that silent generation, the 66 to 74, which mm-hmm. I think oh, okay. is absolutely fabulous for a number of different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, of course, our gaming. I know my game. I have to admit that this is going to happen. Right. And I do admit to a certain extent that it's happened already with me playing first person shooters. But our gaming slows down as we get older because our reflexes get worse. <laughs> like I'm fine playing first person shooters with myself or with people that I know. Um but, you know, when I get people, my friends, kids who are like 16, 17 or younger, like, yeah, let's play, you know, Call of Duty together online. I'm like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to play Call of Duty with you because I don't have the reflexes that I used to. And you will wipe up the floor with me. I also don't spend 40 hours a week playing like they do. Um, True. But, you know, I, I enjoy playing with folks that, you know, not that I want to play with people that I think I can beat. But, hey, you know. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I liked the zombie mode, because it wasn't, it didn't have as much pressure. The zombies move a lot slower. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That makes perfect sense. So I thought that was interesting um, on the news front. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting, especially in light of the um, the news bit that we talked about last time with um, the, the game addiction and depression study that came out. Um, now, here's a study that came out of East Carolina University. Um, now, interestingly enough, the ga- the study was funded by PopCap Games. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a caveat. <laughs> There's a caveat, right? Um, but the study that came out of East Carolina um, actually found that uh, casual games can reduce depression and, and anxiety symptoms, right? Not, and it's not saying it reduces, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it, it serves as an antidepressant in any way, but it serves as a seemingly from what the study says as a temporary fix right you feel better immediately after playing right um the the study actually says the results of this randomized clinical study clearly demonstrate the intrinsic value of certain casual games in terms of significant positive effects on depression and anxiety symptoms so it kind of alleviates the symptoms short term uh, which I think is pretty interesting, a study that comes out in light of the study that had just had come out um, huh. in the in the couple of weeks before, you know. Yeah. So those were the two interesting things that I had kind of saved uh, to, to, to talk about really quickly. You know, uh, that reminds me of a part of the Turkle book that talks about um, people who maybe have some depression issues who can't who aren't practiced in dealing with real life issues, you know, going to the bank and doing these things. And so they retreat into games and into these, um, into like second life and stuff like that. I think was her example of second life. And she sort of, she doesn't say it. She sort of indicated that the more you do that, the more likely you are to just not participate in the quote real life at all. Right. Like going to the bank and paying bills and, and getting groceries the more you retreat into games, which oh, I don't know about that. I was skeptical, mm-hmm. so I'm glad to hear your study. 
Well, and it's interesting because in the in the book Reset, um, he talks about how video games will affect your brain chemistry, mm-hmm. and he talks about how the fact that it does stimulate serotonin and it does stimulate dopamine, and even Jane McConigal will talk about how sure. you know an hour of gaming or something will make you feel more confident. And Reset Two talks about casual gamers, and one of the reasons that they listed why they like to play is because it elevated their mood. Yeah, you know. So I mean, if you're getting a nice little game buzz you know i mean right you're gonna go where you feel most positive i suppose if you don't feel that comfortable in life you know hey it's cheaper than drugs right maybe (laughs) some of the games are expensive you had to buy cat yeah but you can't use them up (laughs) (laughs) the games stay there you don't use them up and even with wow 15 bucks a month that's not too bad no All right. Any uh, what other news we got, folks? That's it. Oh, is this where I should mention maybe L.A. Noir? Yeah. Um, I noticed in the news that the game, of course, the hot game from Rockstar, the is, is L.A. Noir that comes out in May 2011, and you can find information about it online if if you know you haven't already. And there's a, even a a preview of it, like as if it was a preview of a movie. Yeah, it looks a lot like L.A. Confidential, that movie with Russell Crowe, which That's I guess is exactly probably... what it reminds me of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you start out from, like, what, a beat cop, and you get yourself all the way up through Homicide. And one of the things that I guess is distinguishing this game from games in the past is the fact that they actually do the um, the face, uh, face sensor technology um, so that they will actually ca- uh, capture someone's very slightest... Uh, expression change, like a flick of an eyebrow or, you know, a little bit of a smirk. And they showed these examples on on this preview so you could see it. And it really was very subtle. You know, not anything like even my Red Dead Redemption, nothing like that. I mean, this this was really like watching um, those, those movies that I told you about, like the uh, Jim Carrey uh, Christmas Carol that came out a year or two ago. And um, one of the one of the things of the game is that you're reading people's expressions is supposed to help you get achievements or, you know, you're, you're interrogating a witness and a part of how well you read their expression um, helps whether you can solve the case. It's part of the clues that you'll, you'll run across. And the, where I happened to see this particular um, article uh, it was also being offered as if this is going to be a replacement now to film altogether. And, you know, video games have always kind of, I guess people have seen them as a threat to movies, you know, oh no, we might not have actors anymore, heaven forbid. <laughs> and um, that this would somehow usurp film, you know, with its capabilities, and which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, and so I think already games obviously outsell movies now. Oh, yeah. They finally, yeah. they finally moved to that point. And then we, oh, had yeah. the, we had the first, oh, which one was it? Seriously, and I, and I knew I sp- totally spaced on it. I was thinking about it when you, were, when you first started talking about it. We had the first game that um, showed up on the cover of a novel. In the same way we've had these movie covers on, on novels that yeah. have been made in the movies. We actually had the first one for, um, for a game. And now I totally spaced on the title. Mm. Somebody was telling me, too, about a game that had actually spawned a book. Oh, well, I think there, there are plenty of games that have, like, yeah, novel couple. series, like like Halo sure. um, mm-hmm. has them. Um, um, gosh, uh, Warcraft has them. I'm um, sure. Uh, Not to mention probably all the fan fiction that goes along with it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's tons. 
Um, that's pretty interesting. Now I'll think about it. It'll come to me um, <laughs> at some point when I'm not thinking about it anymore. It'll come back to me. <laughs> I have one more quick piece of news that I forgot about until just this moment. Sony is going to just started this this thing now. They officially came out and said they're going to block people from the PlayStation Network if they have hacker software on oh. on their system. Because I guess a bunch of people were using this hacker software to download games for free. And so they're going to be... If you own a PS3, then I guess you won't be able to connect to the network if you have pirated games. So be careful. Oh, wow. Well, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about that one because that's not my two-minute soapbox. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's interesting. Sony's done some interesting things with the PlayStation 3. you got to admit it, right? So they build oh, this yeah. as, okay, we're going to give you this great game system where you can run alternative OSs on it. You can run Linux on it. You can do this. You can do that. And then one of the first things... <laughs> Just don't things, do anything great. <laughs> right. And then one of the first things they do is, you know, they, they say, okay, now, you know, you have, to up, you have to update your software in order to continue to play online. But when you update your software, guess what? We're taking away the ability to run Unix on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, okay, you didn't tell me that when I paid my, you know, whatever you paid for it originally, right, for this system. But, you know, now you can't do it because we changed our mind because, you know, you're doing things we don't want you to do. It's not the right move for Sony, especially given how Xbox 360 just crushed in the in mm-hmm. the last quarter of sales. So, not well, is it really their position to police that, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess Apple iTunes thing kind of does that too, I guess. I don't know. It just seems... Does iTunes police if you have... It doesn't use as a police, does it? No. No, it doesn't. I mean, and at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, okay, I understand. People don't like, you know, people don't like DRM. Um, and, and people, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But you know what? When you buy an iPhone, you sign you sign up for this, right? You sign on and you say, okay, I'm agreeing to Apple's DRM. I'm agreeing that I can, I can do right. this, this, and this, but not this, yeah. right? So you make that agreement with yourself. And, and the implication is with Apple when you buy their hardware. Right. Okay. I mean, that's one thing. But for you to say, okay... You know, you can do X, Y, and Z. Like, I can put MP3s on my iPhone, mm-hmm. right? And that's fine, and my, my iPhone will play them, right? And, and I knew that when I, bought, and I, when I bought it, and so did Apple. Now, if Apple gives me a software update tomorrow that, said, that, that doesn't allow me to put music on my iPhone that I did not buy from, from, from iTunes... Then I'm going to be pissed because that right. wasn't the agreement that I made with Apple when I bought the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's, right. in essence, right. what Sony's done. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's exactly right. Like a monopoly. Right. You know, that's me. But that's not my two-minute soapbox. It's <laughs> just not smart business. Okay. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the main issue of the week. That's true. Bum, 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 bum. The main issue that's of the week. Not to skip ahead. And not to skip ahead. <laughs> But, you know, especially if you get me started ranting. Well, our main issue of the week is uh, Skinner Box Logic or Operant Conditioning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which sounds terrifying. Which does. Well, yeah, I liked uh, some of the comments that were created when you, Samantha, posted Skinner Box <laughs> just on Facebook. <laughs> and just people, what does a Skinner Box do? Kills squirrels? You know, it's like this weird sort of like taxidermy. <laughs> you know, nobody had any idea what what exactly that meant because it sounds horrifying to be a perfect horror movie title sarah have you ever seen let me google that for you no 
Okay, so it's this website that you go and it looks like Google and you type something into like the search box yeah. and it gives you a link that you can send to people. <laughs> and it so it opens up a web page and it has like and like someone starts typing in whatever it was into the Google and then hits search and then yeah. it comes up and it says, Was that so hard? And then it brings <laughs> you to the Google results for whatever that was. So right. I kinda wanted to respond to that. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Sam yeah. invited too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean I think well yeah I mean I think yeah Skinner Box is pretty scary to folks one the folks don't know what it is and then you know two if you say if they do know what it is and you say Skinner Box and video games and they go see I told you those damn video games were bad <laughs> oh yes violent and oh, as a as a as a plug Alex and I made a very cool video on Skinner Box very. Logic for the week and we posted it on on um, on the Not Your Mommy's Gamer site and we've made it the featured video of the week. Why? Because hey, it's the featured video of the week. And we now have a YouTube channel. Yay! For NYM Gamer. All right, sorry. That's my plug. <laughs> Soon we'll have our own television channel too. It's like Oprah. I know. Oh, we call it Pwn instead of Own. Oh nice. <laughs> I like it. So, well, should we explain? I mean, do we should we explain what a what what You're Skinner the resident Skinnerbox expert, so I think you should take it away. Yeah, tell us what Skinnerbox mantle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I truly uh, deserve that title. Uh, obviously, uh, it comes from the behavioral scientist. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. B.F. Skinner, and uh, who has sort of um, doesn't he have sort of a dubious some dubious practices in his past. Oh, he certainly does. And it was yeah. in the 30s. I learned that today. Uh, and I, as I recall, he had uh, one of his children was a little bit uh, <laughs> not quite adapted to life, um, if I understand. Because I think he used the Skinner box on his kids. Uh, maybe that's rumor. Um, yeah, there but, was a rumor that he raised one of his kids in a Skinner box. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the kid didn't turn out so well. One of his daughters, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Skinner box, like you said, it's operant... How do you say? Conditioning. Yeah, Yeah, conditioning. conditioning. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where if you could, where you had a little rat, was it a rat, pigeon, rat? We originally did it with pigeons, I think. Okay. And they would go and they were in a box and the clear, you know, like you'd see in the lab. And there was a little button lever that this pigeon could go and hit and it would get a piece of food. Well, anybody who's ever even known to pet knows this, that, boy, they learn food fast. You know, food's involved. Sure thing. So they keep hitting this little lever, and they keep getting their little pellets. And I believe, as your video suggests, and Samantha, I think, is the one that tells us, you know, if, if Samantha was in a Skinner box, and she was getting chocolate each time she hit the lever, <laughs> she might have a bellyache if it was every single time, right? So he started to do it at various intervals. Because you can't reward it every time, because you, what you're doing is trying to get them to do the behavior. Mm-hmm. Not it's not the reward that's important; it's the behavior that's important. And um, one of the things that I thought was interesting, especially in relationship to video games, I think the reward is easy to pinpoint, perhaps. And we can talk about how we see rewards happening and what exactly we're being conditioned to do. I mean, I think it's easy to trace the money and say, well, you know, with World of Warcraft or whatever, we're being kind of conditioned to spend our box, right? Um, and you can see achievements and rewards, but uh, also Skinner boxes had penalties and they had a little electrical grid underneath. And if they did something else that was inappropriate or they didn't do, they would be shocked, right? Right. And if you've never had friends in therapy or gone to therapy or whatever, 
um, especially with behavioral therapists, they'll tell you, oh, if you don't want to, if you want to quit smoking, maybe put a rubber band around your wrist. And every time you think you want a cigarette, snap it so that you always associate the craving of cigarette with that snap of the rubber band and you no longer want it. Um, so there is the penalty aspect of it too. I think and, one of the important points that I remember is that by making it at like random intervals or maybe like, you know, it's several times you push the lever and you don't get anything mm-hmm. is to kind of instill that fear, especially with food, like instill that fear that you don't know when you're going to get it. So like, if you don't know that food is coming for sure, then you want to keep pressing until you have it. Right. So like the cage will fill up with food because you just don't know, you know, it could be 200 lever pushes before you get food again. So, so I, I see that a lot in WoW too, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Like an in, well, I was going to say, just like an insecurity. It just kind of fosters insecurity. Well, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. That, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. Well, well, let me just throw it out then. I mean, in terms of like Skinner boxes, and you guys did speak to this a little bit to the, to the, uh, in, in the video you made, which is just fabulous. Um, <laughs> what do we see then as rewards? I mean, when we, what, what is the lever pushing in video games? What is the reward? What's the behavior that maybe, it, are we being conditioned to a certain behavior? I mean, am, am I wrong about the money thing? I mean, what, what is it doing on the positive side of it? Where are the rewards? How is it operating like a like a behavioral conditioning? What is it doing to us? Well, we know they use it because there's been game designers that came out and said that they use they specifically use that type of logic in the game. Right. And, and I think it's something like, wow, you see a whole bunch of different types of Skinner Box logic going at once. Yeah. Like you have the fixed uh, ratio where you have to get this many experience points to level. So that's one type of pressing the lever. But then you have random world drops or random boss drops for items, and you never know when that's going to happen. So that would be like a variable interview uh, interval. You could do, um, or I mean variable ratio. So you could do an instance 15 times and not get the item you're looking for, but then you could go get it twice in a row or something. Um, so I think that's another way that it manifests. Right. I mean, and then, of course, I mean, even even before you get to the point where you can do instances, right, you can um, even like as a as a level one player. Right. It tells you, okay, go out and bring back, you know, 15 glorious rat pelts. Right. So you have to go out and you have to kill rats. Right. So you're killing rats. Now, every rat is not going to give you a glorious rat pelt. Some of them may give you a ragged rat pelt because you didn't do a good job of skinning the rat. Right. Right. So you have to you never know if you're going to have to, you know, kill 15 or 20 or 25 or 200 rats to get the 15 rat glorious rat pelts that you need. Right. But you keep killing these damn rats. In order to get the rat pelt. And, and if anybody has ever, you know, has ever kind of grinded in an MMORPG, you know that that gets to be the most boring, least fun activity that you can ever do. Because you're like, if I have to click on another freaking rat, I am going to kill myself. But you know what? You keep sitting there and you keep clicking those rats and you're paying Blizzard 15 bucks a month to click their rats. I, I have memories of like after mm-hmm. eating an entire pizza and drinking an entire like bottle of Diet Coke or something like being so tired and leaning back with one eye open and my hand on a mouse, just like clicking to kill like rats or whatever it was over and over and over, even though I was like so tired because I, because you have to get those items 
Right. <laughs> what is the ultimate? Yeah. What's so okay? This that's perfect. And you know, Samantha's like, well, there's Alex. I mean, there's the hand behind it all, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. with the puppet strings and 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 doing this. So you go to those links to pelt, get the pelts of these rats, because how many? I mean, the pelts eventually lead to something else. Right. Because you have to you have to finish the quest, right? Because quest. you're given this quest, right? By you're given this quest by a, by an NPC, by a non-playing character. You have to go out, and you have to once you once you you finish getting these fifteen glorious rat pelts, you have to you have to come back and turn the quest in to the NPC, and the NPC may give you um, new clothing or money or new weapons or you know so any number of things that you get as a reward. Right, and the only way to get these things is to actually do the quests. You could open up a new quest line. You could go to different areas. Maybe you're getting key to go someplace cool. Um, right, or you get a, or you get a, you get a hot rod. Also, and you get extra key. experience. Yeah, Oopty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, the goblins have interesting cars, um, but yeah. So I think I think of the big draw for that is is the rewards you get. And also, I mean, it's what the game is and it's sort of like what we do in life, right? Like we do mini quests, you know, every day we have this assignment and then we have this, and then we have to read this book. Like we're set up to work like that. So we want to complete that. It feels good to complete that challenge. We get some, we get some drugs released into our system (laughs) after we complete so many quests. In fact, I know someone in this podcast who is, cannot leave a quest open or will have Mm -hmm. a breakdown. I wonder who that is. True that or is not true, Sam. Totally not me. <laughs> <laughs> not it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So that the question itself is still part of it. Just call me a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pigeon. Well, I think that there's two things that are interesting here that 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 are going on and I and, and you can see them functioning with the pellets or whatever. Because essentially when you're doing this, it's a gamble each time. You're gambling. You're gambling, but there's of. no risk. But okay, and that was that would be well. And the other thing I was going to say is what's fascinating to me, of course, as a writer, you know, is that that you're getting the quest or part of what is considered the the ultimate is the pellet would be the continuation of the narrative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that is so fascinating about how important narrative then is to us. You know what I mean? Like that's the big reward. That's the pellet. That's just really fascinating. But gambling is definitely a type of Skinner box, right? Cause you don't know when it's going to hit. Sure. And as someone who has, you know, stayed up till noon the next day trying <laughs> to wait for this machine, cause I just know it's going to go out with the next $20, you know, and of course it doesn't, but that's, I think that's that same idea. You just give a little reward every once in a while and keep people playing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so we can we can see clear uh, rewards. Then we see the clear pellet. We see the intervals. As you said, there's the there's a reason behind it. If you're playing WoW and you are paying with a, prescription, uh, a subscription each month, well, then obviously it's partly you know business, and they know that they have to spread out their little rats to make you keep paying. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Yeah. There's that aspect, which is sort of dirty dirty trick i think <laughs> um so then what constitutes the re- the penalty i mean if, if the reward is so obvious and we, we, we're driving forward because we want to level up or we're driving forward because we want to know what's going to happen next in the story i mean this is why i am bothering with alan wake because i'm like well what happens next i want to know the story which like i said really puts an interesting pr- uh, profound privilege on the importance of narrative in our lives but 
what's the penalty then? Is it just becoming that you failed the level? I mean, is that enough of a penalty? Or It's not a question of failing the level. I think the, the penalty is the same as with Alan Wake. You don't continue the narrative if you don't complete the quest, right? Yes, you, can't, you can't open up the next quest line. You can't figure out, you know, you don't get to, to go to the next, you don't get to go to the next person because oftentimes what happens is one of the things you have to do in that quest text is you have to go see someone else. When you go see someone else, they say, oh, thank you for bringing me these 15 rat pelts, right? Um, here's another quest, right, that will say, and attach the quest, of course, is the quest text, right, which opens up another part of the story that gives you, that gives you history, that gives you lore, that, that um, opens up a new circumstance or situation that's going on that pulls you in and makes you a part of that, of that situation, right? It may be, oh, you have to go over here, um, and, for example, we were playing goblins, and, 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 you know, and, uh, oh gosh, what did they call it? Adjust the attitudes of, um, of the defiant workers in the mines who are, who are essentially slaves. You have to go and ascend, uh, yeah, this is really interesting. You have to go and adjust the attitudes of the slaves in the mines. So and how have, do you adjust them, Sam? You tase them. <laughs> you tase them? Yeah, you tase them. So you have to okay. go to the mines and tase the slaves and get them back to work. And they say things like, don't tase me, man. Don't tase me, man. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, okay. it's nice. Um, so, <laughs> uh, don't go in there. That's my two-minute soapbox. Uh, that sounds like a different um, uh, I almost uh, went there experiment. I yeah. Okay. I'm saving that. Um, so, so, you have, so it opens up all these different things. And it's not just games like, wow, because people say, well, see, that's why I don't play MMORPGs, because I don't want to be a rat in a Skinner box. Okay, you're a rat in a Skinner box, no matter what you play. I mean, just, time you play. You got the same thing with you got the same thing with Facebook games, right? We've we've kind of hinted at it before about you know how these Facebook games are casual games, but we've all done some things that we don't want to admit to having done when we talk about playing these Facebook games, right? <laughs> I mean, I know folks who play Mafia Wars who have like you know fifteen hundred friends, a thousand of whom they don't know. Why? Because they friended all these people just to get you know get more people in their in their mobs in, in mafia wars right um so there's you know all kinds of interesting things going on there because it's all about the skinner box right because you have to have x number of friends or x number of people in your mafia or in your in your mob in order to progress the narrative to go to the go to the next to go to the next level in playing the game to do certain things right you 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 have a better chance of um winning a fight or surviving a hit if you have more if you have more friends who are also playing this game. It makes you powerful. It, it does makes you powerful, powerful which goes to the biological, physiological things again. It's dopamine. It's a high. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So maybe our maybe our pellet is narrative too, but maybe it is also that little buzz we get from, wow, I just did that. You know, that kind of feeling. Which is not something to be taken lightly then, right? I mean our brain chemistry is on the line. Definitely, and I think you can see this happening in, in games like Cow Clicker, which uh, Ian Bogost made. He made it, ironically, like he made it to make fun of Facebook games. I mean, all you do is click on a cow, and then <laughs> as it goes on, you can, like, click on different types of cows or something. I haven't played it. but um, Yeah, and now you can buy cows, because there are certain cows that see that, and that's, see, that's, that's, right. the, that's the hook, right? With and these- people play. Right. Tons of people play, and all you're doing is clicking cows. There's no story. Yeah. You're just clicking cows. You're just clicking cows. I mean, and that's the hook with the, what they, they call these these freemium games now, right? Freemium. Free but premium. Mm-hmm. Right? 
is that, you know, because like I said, we all, we've all done things that we don't want to admit to, right? And that's like... Microtransactions. Microtransactions. <laughs> and they make, them, they make them easy to do. You don't have to have a credit card. You can, if you're playing Facebook games, you can do it with your credit card. You can do it with your PayPal account. You can charge it to your phone. It's kind of like buying stuff on Woot. You just say, I want that. And then all of a sudden it shows up at your door. But it's cheap, right? Yeah. I've never done it. I've never done it. I've been tempted in Bejewel on Facebook, you know, and it's like, oh, you don't have enough jewels to keep buying, you know, and then they try to put their little credit card stuff up there. And I think, hmm. But then I always resist. I don't know why I do. But it's always cheap enough to make it, it's always cheap enough to make it, you know, possible. Not threatening. Yeah. Really not much. I can get, you know, $15 in Cityville for two bucks. What's two bucks? It's just two bucks, right? I mean, then the same thing, you know, has happened with the freemium games on um, iPhone, the iOS games. You know, we've we've heard all these horror stories about people's kids charging up 500 bucks on their credit cards, buying Smurf berries in the Smurfs. Um, (laughs) And I am proud to say that, yes, I do play the Smurfs on my iPhone, but I have never purchased Smurf berries. Well done. Yeah. I mean, but you, they, do, they do this because sometimes you need extra dollars or extra energy or extra Smurf berries, not only to build up your game, but to even continue to play the game, right? So sometimes you're stalled. Okay, well, you're out of energy, so you have to wait until your energy builds back up. Right. And unless you give us five bucks, then you can keep playing. And well, how terrifying th- is that to millennial generations? Like, you have to wait. I can't think of a worse thing for someone to say to you. Wait. I will pay any amount of money if I don't have to wait. I mean, please. That's true. Alex is joining us from the millennial generation. See, now, Samantha, I'm 37, so you and I are both pretty squarely Generation X, I think. Yeah. And I don't have a problem waiting 24 hours, you know, for Bejeweled Blitz. But I think I think, I think, Alex is on to something about the idea of waiting. I mean, I guess here's the other question. I mean, is it money poorly spent? Is it something we don't need, we can shrug it off? I mean, because we are getting such a positive... Uh, brain response that we feel better about ourselves i mean we're conditioned to do this i mean is it bad i mean is it probably to a point just like any game that you play is it money poorly spent i don't know that i would say it's money poorly spent because you get a certain amount of enjoyment out of it but Mm -hmm. at the same time it's a sneaky ass way of doing it (laughs) it really is saying yeah it's not me signing up and saying okay i agree to pay my 14.99 a month to play wow Right. right. That's you saying, here's a free game. Play it. Now, when you're really kind of hooked on it or really getting into it, guess what? You're out of energy. Now, in order to keep playing and keep feeling good. Right. It's like it's like the do- yeah. it's like the drug dealer who says, you know, hey, here's one. The first one's Just have free. a little taste. Right. Yeah. yeah. First one's free. That's what I was going to say. It reminded me of drug pushers a little bit, but I don't know if that was too extreme. And I think what's really unfair about that is they control like the Skinner box rewards. So you need these certain items to be able to progress in the game, but they only drop once every 10 days for you or something Mm -hmm. absurd like that. So you like wait and wait and wait and you're playing the game and you're participating, but you can't move forward. That what, if I were ever to be led to by something in a Facebook game, it would be because of that, because the intervals between getting a certain item was so far away from each other that I couldn't stand it. It's the damn wheat crackers. Mm -hmm. It's the wheat What? Wheat crackers. Okay, you're going to tell the story. It's the damn wheat crackers. Playing Cityville, right? You get, um, when you harvest crops, sometimes you get um, an item, right, that that, that 
that you get collections you, right collections them. you have to fill these collections so when you harvest the crops not only do you get supplies and you get experience but every now and then you'll get a reward item that is that is related to whatever crop you've planted now for some reason i needed it was something crazy like you needed you needed to complete the wheat the wheat collection and one of the things in the wheat collection was wheat crackers. And there are five items in every collection. I had like two, three, four, five, six of four of these five items, but I could not get the damn wheat crackers. Now, the thing is, when you plant the wheat crops, the wheat crops take two days to mature. Oh, God. <laughs> so I had to plant like, I think like three or four full crops of wheat and harvest them before I got the damn wheat crackers. Now, the thing is, it's like, you know, so it's like I planted crackers. I mean, I planted, planted crackers. See, I'm going to get the crackers <laughs> on the fucking brain now. Oops. Ooh, that was a bad one. Drop the F-bomb. Sorry. We'll just put a little, like, little disclaimer at the beginning. Sam drops the F-bomb. Um, use, use your mouth. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's like we say some things. I move, try not to drop the F-bomb. Okay, so... You plant the crops, right? And you have to wait two days for the wheat to mature. Then you harvest it, right? Didn't get the wheat crackers. Planted a whole another set of crops. Harvested those. Guess what? Didn't get wheat crackers. It took like a week to get the wheat crackers just to, I mean, and you have to, and, they, and you have to complete that task or that quest in order to move to the next part of that line, which is you want to be mayor, right? So yeah. in order to do this, you have to you have to get to be mayor, and once you're mayor, you have to improve your city's quality, and then you have to do this, and then you have to do that, and all of this goes up to the the next big level, which is becoming the becoming the the state capital. So in order to get to be in the state capital, you have to you have to complete all these mini tasks. I mean, and when it takes you a week to find freaking wheat crackers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really irritating after a while. Can I make a really outdated reference? Yes. Or maybe it's not outdated. Remember in Wayne's World when <laughs> the the evil, like, business guy made this video game? And he's like, you keep pumping quarters, but you can't get past the first level. The game only has one level. And you uh. can't get past it. And he said, people just sit there and pump quarter after quarter after quarter. And it's, like, the best, you know, it's the most brilliant scheme ever. Because you can't possibly get there. And I wonder if some of these Facebook games, like, you know what? The effing princess is never going to come to my fair, okay? Like, she's not going to have her wedding there, no matter how much I try, okay? So, <laughs> like, I wonder if you, if that's, un, if maybe it's unattainable to be a city capital. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> Prove me wrong, somebody out there who's a capital. <laughs> Well, I mean, see, and and I'm the perfect sucker for that because of because of me and and not liking to go to bed with an open quest. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm the perfect sucker. You get I I I spend my city dollars on more on completing more collections than I care to admit. Well, you know that, that I but never I could find it. my. I'm sorry. I never could. <laughs> no, no, I never could find my article. Remember, I mentioned before about how Generation X and the failure and how these video games affected us. Because we grew up with Ataris, you know, or whatever, and then there was no save. Missed. If you lost, yeah, I mean, it was epic fail. I mean, you had to start all over again, oh, yeah. you know. And so that affected this article. I can't find it, but it claimed that that affected, colored how we view, you know, failure. So I wonder if what drives you 
partly is, you know, like your, your Skinner box is a little bit different than Alex's and, you know, and so far she's worried about time, damn it. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I have to get this done now. I can't wait 24 hours. And you're saying I can't not fit, you know, I can't not win this before I can rest easy. You know, I just think it's kind of an interesting, our Skinner boxes might be a little bit different. Well, little bit certainly I think that's a good point that they're more, probably more complex, maybe sure. the same basic structure, <laughs> but, but more complex now. Probably individualized, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is, and this is probably leaning towards my little two-minute rant, but I, I, I just because I'm thinking that if whoever's out there listening, rant away. Uh, well, I was thinking that you know part of it, reset. The book reset claims that that gamers don't look at the the graphic people or monsters in the games as anything other than like a basketball player looks at a ball. Now you always hear the critique of gamers they're killing killing all the time killing all the time. Don't you is it a little bit is a is it a little bit uncomfortable when we have a Skinner box on top of a game that's asking us to kill in order to achieve or am I getting too worried about how behavior can be skewed and that actually it's just a game and there is no harm in that? Do you know what I mean? Mhm. Wow, that's is food that, for thought. That was is, it harmful conditioning? I don't know. You just blew my mind. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I mean, I think that there are certain things that, you know, because that, 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 that's kind of a scary, that's kind of a scary road to take because that goes into, you know, the mm-hmm. argument about, you know, the video game defense for murderers and such. You know, I, I mean, I know that there, there is, there, there are interesting connections between, um, the human psyche and uh, killing in video games. But I also think that, you know, your average person, your sane person is not going to go out and kill somebody because they've, you know, even if the, even if the game says, you know, instead of saying collect, you know, 10 glorious rat pelts, it says go collect 10 glorious newborns, newborn hides. You know, if, <laughs> now one, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to play a game that has me going out killing babies. Now, before I was a parent, I might've eh, probably not, but you know, I'm not going to do it. But even if I did, I'm not going to go out and kill newborns because I've killed 5 million, you know, newborns looking for 10 glorious newborn hides, unless there's something really freaking wrong with me. I'm going to have to be really messed up in the head. Already. To, right. Like already. And the game's not going to do that to me. Okay, yeah, I just wondered how the overlap of, like, a Skinner, we get the buzz, we get the rewards, we've been conditioned, and yet it involves so much, so much of violence. You know, what I, violence you know what I wonder, Sarah, is that if perhaps the stronger the Skinner box gets, the less we see the game objects for what they would be. Like, I'm not killing rats. What I'm doing is just killing this obstacle to get to the next level. I'm not even... You know, I'm not stabbing pirates. I'm just, I'm just fulfilling this thing. Because I went, like Sam and I play a lot differently when we play WoW. But I don't read the quest text. I don't even look at what I'm doing. I, I just go to the area where I have to do my thing and 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 do it and run back. Sometimes I don't even see what I'm killing, really. You know, so certainly for me, I could see, like in Grand Theft Auto, like I, I don't feel like I'm killing people. I, I, I feel like I'm just. Clicking on a cow or something, <laughs> and I'm and I'm the one sitting there yelling at Alex, "Slow down, so I can read the quest text." <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know, I still feel guilty about that old man I shot in the back for his deed in Red Dead Redemption. So maybe I don't game enough. Yeah, I still <laughs> maybe that's not a Skinner box, uh, as strong Skinner box as, as other not, games. Yeah. 
don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Me too. Should we go into more rants? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go for my rant. And I say, Dr. B. Okay, I've ranted in various places, um, in various venues, online, at conferences, in print before about um, racial representation in video games, right? And, you know, I pretty much thought that, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. I have to say, you know, <laughs> Blizzard deserves the kick in the ass of the week <clears throat> for, uh, for the goblins. Yes. Because, you know, first we have, you know, we have the lore behind the goblins. The goblins were once the slaves of the trolls, um, which in and of of itself is, you know, interesting and problematic. And here we have another horde race. And we know most of the horde races are in and of, are, are minorities. We've got the Torrens who are Native American. We have the trolls who are Jamaican. We have the blood elves who I still argue very strongly are, are Jewish. Um, we have, um, now the goblins who are, who are specifically, I think African American and not, and not Jamaican or not just of the African diaspora, but uh, specifically African American. Um, and you'll notice if you watch the video that I am indeed the, the goblin. I, I just was so pissed off. I was like, you know, my goblin's name might as well be Shaquanda. So I named her Shaquanda. Um, because it was just running with the stereotype. Um, you, you know, she, you can only choose certain hairstyles for your goblins and they are very urban African-American hairstyles. Um, you can, uh, there are, you know, large hoop earrings. Um, one of the, if you choose one set of ears, ears and earrings to go with your goblin, she actually gets a bone through her nose. Um, the music itself, um, is, is very stereotypical. Um, it's like the dance, the dance. I was like, when I made my, I made my goblin dance and I started screaming at Alex. I was like, she's a freaking stripper. I didn't say freaking, but she was, I mean, the, the dance, it was horrible. It was horrible. It was shocking. It really pissed me off. Um, and then of course, like I said, you have the lore behind them. You have these freed slaves who have, you know, who have taken over and doing these unsavory business practices. Um, it is it's very interesting. I know that Alex, Alex and I were talking about this because some people have argued that because of the unsavory business practices, some people have said that, that indeed perhaps the goblins are Jewish. And that is another stereotype that they're running with. But you can definitely see as you play more into the, into the narrative behind um, the not only the lore behind them, but also play into the narrative that progresses the story itself. Um, and you you look at you look at interactions, you listen to the conversations, um, you know, because one of the things you have to do is is you have to collect um, you have to collect your attire for a party, and one of the things you have to collect is your is your party bling. Um, so it, the, just the, the language that gets used to describe the quest items even is very stereotypical. And I have to say that it is absolutely freaking ridiculous, one, that Blizzard continues to do this. Um, it is absolutely ridiculous that I continue to pay Blizzard $14.99 a month to play this. <laughs> um, and I, but I like to say that, you know, I'm doing this for the sake of research. Um, and in part, I am. Right. Um, but 
it's astounding. And then the, the big question for me is not so much of, of you know, if if the Skinner box on top of this on the on the top of killing things over and over again is going to make people go out and kill stuff. But the bigger question for me is if you know if we have kids who are living in Central Indiana or in or in Southern Indiana or wherever they are or in any kind of fairly homogenous place are playing these games and are seeing this as representations of African-Americans. And I think, you know, kids, these kids understand because they watch TV and they, they watch videos and videos and music videos are no fucking bad. Oops. Second F-bomb of the night. Are no better. Then they start to associate these things because this is what they know. Do you understand what I mean? And I'm, yeah, absolutely. And, and I worry more so than about people going out killing folks is what people start to associate with people of the races that they see. I mean, we see it yep. all the time. I mean, the same thing happens in Grand Theft Auto. Those are the worst mm-hmm. racial stereotypes in the world. I mean, yep. you know, we've had we've had Jews and African Americans, and then you know, just so that they don't, uh, so that they don't, uh, they don't. Um, blah leave anybody out with the last Grand Theft Auto, we had the Eastern Europeans who were trafficking human flesh, right? I mean, it just, it never stops. What worries me the most about that, Samantha, is the stuff that happens on the periphery. Maybe not like the things that are integral to the storyline, but the periphery of what's happening in the game that makes it seem like, oh, that's just natural. That's just how things are. Mm that's just the background that this kind of stuff takes place. And that's the stuff that terrifies me. Like the, like the, like you were saying, the hair of the goblin, like the stuff that people would just be like, well, yeah, yeah, obviously that's the goblin's hair, you know, without thinking about it. That worries me. Well, a kid may not make the direct association and say, Oh, that person is African American. But what it does is it says that behavior, that look is less than, and and that's the part that's, and because it's horrid, it's really, Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the part that's completely And that's disgusting. the way the game is set up. Your horde or alliance. You know, the alliance are the good guys, right? Mm-hmm. And these and the horde is the, that is which to be hated. If you put all the minorities in the horde, what the hell are you saying? Right. right? I mean, and the same thing happens when you like when we had to go we had to go and adjust the attitudes of the slaves in the mines when they were all trolls, so they're clearly Jamaican in descent. Right. Don't tase me, man. Right. And one of the things is like I, I actually stopped at one point before, you know, before I had to click on my troll. And I was like, OK, I can't believe this. I was like, I have to tase this guy. Why? Because instead of working, he's standing next to he was standing next to his um, he was standing next to his machine that he was supposed to be working and dancing. Uh. Right. Of course, because he had to do his little jig. He had to dance. He had to entertain. He had to be buck dancing, basically, is, is in essence what he was doing. And I, mm-hmm. I, as the overseer, and that's exactly what I was, had mm-hmm. to tase him and get him back in line. Oh, my Lord. That's just that's ridiculous. This is why it is a huge problem that women and minorities are not more represented in the game development game developing world and as game gaming programmers and stuff like that because there's no one around to be like wait 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 a minute wait a minute do you guys see what's happening here you know when you have all of like the same white middle class men that are designing these games without getting any outside perspective this is the kind of stuff that happens you know i guess that was my rant that was my 10 second rant (laughs) i just they need more diversity in in order to make these games a higher quality i think it's 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 just bad gameplay even you know i mean it's ridiculous 
Oh yeah, I got gotcha. you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's my two minute. That's my two minute soapbox. Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> All Mine's right. Not that, yeah. <laughs> Mine's not that cool. Alex, do you have one that's cool? No, I just was gonna jump on your guys's. Soapboxes. Oh, I don't have one. My my only soapbox. Soap. I can't even say it. Soapbox. My is I'm playing my Alan Wake. Okay. And it's this really cool story, and it's really interesting, it's complex, you know, I'm dreaming, I'm this author, and, you know, I'm like, this is cool, because he's an author, this is going to be really an interesting narrative. And I think it's the absolute lack of creativity that just gulls me, is that I finally get into this moment, and, you know, everything gets shadowy and dark, and uh, what do I have to do again? I have to kill these guys with uh, axes, because they have axes, and I am in charge of shining light on them and shooting them. And I guess, you know, I'm playing it and I thought, man, you know, I really love the story. I love the idea. Why the F do I have to kill something to advance my narrative? Maybe I'm just too sensitive about this, you know, and maybe that's partly, you know, why some other games appealed. I know there are games you can play where you don't have to kill, but I was just so, I mean, tired of the fact that there's not just one guy with an axe, it's another guy with an axe. And the only way to get through this particular part is to have the moment when everything gets shadowy and they say scary things and they might come up and axe me and I have to shine light and shoot them. And I have to get more bullets. And I'm just like, okay, ever since the first video games, PCs, Resident Evil, Silent Hills came out, it's the exact same gameplay. Can we not think of some other creative way? To me, it just seems very lazy. And I think, you know, a little bit of what Samantha's saying with terms of falling back on stereotypes, it's this really lazy, stereotypical, boring gameplay that can we not think of more creative ways to advance a story or get through a level that we just kill things? I just have reached my limit, ladies. And that was my two minutes. Must I kill again? You know, can't we think of something more creative than this? And this goes back to Alex's point. Maybe if we had more women in there, maybe if we had people with more diversity in there, we would have better stories. I don't know. I'm just tired of it. Anyway, that's my rant. You know, I and I think, I think the success of... I think I said this in my blog at one point, so if I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry. But I think the success of the Facebook games, which nobody saw coming, is the perfect example of this because nobody considered casual gamers actual gamers until someone came along and all of a sudden, bam, that's half of the game market that nobody considered before because they, they just didn't show up on the radar. Maybe they're not purposely do, doing this, you know, like keeping you know women and people who want to play casual games out. Oh, yeah, but, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was astounded by the folks I saw playing Facebook games that I would never have would would never have played other games, mm-hmm. right? Just even like people that I work with, right? Who will remain uh, who will remain unnamed? <laughs> who I mean, literally, I mean, you would see post after post after post on Facebook of them playing Mafia Wars and how many people they had killed. I mean, and they would post these like statistics because they were really, you know, they were one getting an adrenaline rush of some sort out of it, right? And two, you know, they were proud of their achievements. I mean, and I thought this was absolutely, I thought it was actually fantastic to be perfectly honest with you, because, you know, you see these people doing this stuff and you were like, they would have never played a game if it had not been for Facebook games. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's what happens when you don't have, have lots of perspectives. You make huge blind spots for yourself. 
Well, Reset was curious because they said, it, I think it was 2005, casual gamer market was like 700 million, okay? And they were predicting, because the book has been published a couple years ago, that by 2011, which is us now, that the casual gaming market or that the, the how much money they'd bring in would be $13 billion. Jeez. I don't know if those statistics have come true, but what they're trying to say in the book anyway is we can't ignore this block of people because they're, they're worth some dollars, you right. know? And oh, I guess yeah. maybe that, I don't know. Maybe that's why I just get so put out with the lazy, to me it was lazy gameplay in Alan Wake and I had expected so much more, you yeah, know? That's too bad. Well, Alan Wake really pissed me off with the uh, collectibles because what do you have to collect? And they have they have nothing to do with the narrative thermoses. Oh, yes. I've been collecting coffee thermoses. And I don't know what the hell to do with them. You know, I'm just like, okay, I'll, it's shining and I'll go get it, you know. Skinner box. Skinner box, indeed. Skinner box. I was the little pellet and I had to go just get it. Just because we know about it doesn't mean we don't succumb to its power. That's right. No, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> Should we move on? We got our buys of the week. Oh yeah, deals for broke ass deals for broke ass gamers. Well, I'll tell throw mine out. Mine was pretty interesting, and it's it's not really well. It's a deal. It is a deal because it saves you like five hundred bucks. It's not a cheap. It's not cheap though. Yeah. On Steam, Steam is selling like the entire Square Enix catalog um, that they own for seventy five bucks. So you get like five different um, Tomb Raider games. You get you know there's all kinds of great stuff. Nice. It, it was a, it was a it was a pretty sweet deal because there there was I forgot I lost count of how many games there were. Um, I think there was like something crazy like twenty or thirty games for seventy five bucks. I mean, if you can commit to saying I'm not going to buy any games for a while, you can really blow your game budget on that seven, on that. I mean, it's about the same as one console game, and you mm -hmm. got yeah. PC games forever. I, on the other hand, won't buy it because I'm I'm a Mac player and I'd have to play on the PC side, and I'm always and gameplay is always sketchy when you're talking about playing um, PC games, even on Steam. Um, on the on the PC side of Mac, I always stick to the old games because I know those play well. That's my deal of the week. My deal for broke ass gamers is Civ Five, which everyone knows I love, is forty percent off, which I'm a little pissed about because I missed it. But um, it's forty percent off for Civ Five, or it's like seventy five or seventy five percent for the Civ Four pack. So that's a great deal too. So I am very excited about that. Should we talk about Amazon? Amazon has a I don't know. It's kind of a lame deal, actually. But it's buy one Unisoft Wii game, that Wii dance game, and you oh. get the second 30% off. Oh. Eh. Meh. It's yeah. something. I don't have anything game of the week, but, you know, you, when you said that, it made me think of that, how they were going to retire Guitar Hero. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah. With, okay. I, thought that, I was surprised because I thought that was a big seller. Well, Rock Band outdid it. Rock band just came in and and I see I'm a huge rock band player. I don't I don't even own any Guitar Hero, uh, but I own a couple of different rock bands. I play after several glasses of wine. Rock band <laughs> or Guitar Hero? Rock band. I got or not rock band. I Guitar Hero. I got rid of my rock band. Oh, how did you get rid of your rock band? Are you kidding me? I traded it for some sweet PS3 games. Ugh, I Savvy. love my rock band. Well, I don't have enough people over to make it fun because I don't want yeah, to play by myself. Well, I, right. can't, I, rock can never, I can never get rid of my rock band because P actually loves to play oh, really? rock band. Yeah, she <laughs> of course she sucks at it, right? So, but she loves to, you know, she wants to play. So she'll get, you know, she'll get her guitar and push the buttons, or she she really likes to drum, uh -huh. um, and she likes to watch it on on the TV screen. So 
She's going to be Joan Jet yet. Oh gosh, yes. Uh, you know, we have. We have this <laughs> I missed that reference. I have this horrible joke in my house about. I said she's going to be Joan Jet. Yeah. Yeah, Joan Jet. No, with this whole about her being Kurt Cobain because when <laughs> she when she when she's running around with no shirt on and just her jeans kind of sagging and she's really into the music and she's got her head down and she's swinging. She's got that blonde this, hair. She's got the blonde hair hanging in her face. She looks just like Kurt Cobain. Okay, and I'm going to say this, and That's hopefully nobody horrible. calls Child Protective Services on me. <laughs> The joke was around Halloween is I told Lisa, I said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go and get one of those little airplane bottles of Jack Daniels, empty it out and just put like brown liquid in it and give it to her and let her and let her walk around dancing with no shirt on. And that's going to be her Halloween costume on the cheap. Of course, Lisa wouldn't let me do it. Not that I would have done it anyway. Thank heavens she wouldn't let you do it. Awesome. I don't know. You got to watch out with the pigeon and the pellets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah, what I started. But yeah. I thought it was freaking hilarious. Because when she gets into it, she looks like Kurt Cobain. That's hilarious. That's true. <laughs> I might edit that out, y'all. So if you don't, if folks, if you don't hear that part, you'll know why. <laughs> so welcome back. You just missed out on a really hilarious segment that Sam has now cut out. <laughs> Alex confessed to what she says on live links. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, it was so much worse than that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's it. That's our buys of the week. That's our two minute soapbox. That's our topic of the week. Now, next week, we're going to talk about oh, how do we put this so it doesn't sound like academic y mm-hmm. and boring? Mm-hmm. Um, should have thought about this before. Cool shit. <laughs> We're going to talk about cool shit. Um, yeah. that does, see, that doesn't count. That's not as bad as it is. If you listen next week, Sam will buy you free beer. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see it'll be free for you, but not for her. We're talking about <laughs> video game identities. There we go. We're going to talk about, yeah, we're going to talk about video game identities. That's the a, intersection of video game identities and cultural stuff. <laughs> It's going to be fun. Listen we're in. talking about intersectionality, y'all. <laughs> yeah, for the academic types out there. We're going to talk about intersectionality in video games. So, you know, Google it. Um, <laughs> Google it. <laughs> well played. You have, we have started the podcast with that joke and now ended the podcast with that joke. Well played. Well played. Well, thanks again, folks, for listening in to our third episode of Not Your Mama's Gamer Podcast. We really, really hope you have enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us again in two weeks to hear about intersectionality in video games. Um, visit, you know, visit our Facebook page, visit our blog to get, you know, weekly-ish updates. Um, and now we have our new, our new very, very cool YouTube channel. Visit our YouTube mm. channel and look out for videos. Thanks a lot, folks. Have a great day. Two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.